Before we get to today's episode, I want to share a quick message from our sponsor, Content Square. How do you create digital experiences that keep visitors engaged all the way to conversion? By analyzing every click, tap, scroll, and swipe, and turning these insights into profitable actions. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. Trusted by leading fashion and luxury retailers worldwide, they have helped hundreds of teams accelerate their reactivity and boost ROI with smart, instant UX insights. Learn more at contentsquare.com. Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy, and today's guest is Alex Friedman, the co-founder of women's health brand, Lola. In this episode, Alex gets candid about feminine hygiene and sexual wellness products, the importance of ingredient transparency, and how education has played a vital role in building the brand. Hope you enjoy the episode. So today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Alex Friedman, the co-founder and co-CEO of reproductive women's wellness brand, Lola. Hi, Alex. Hi. So Lola dubs itself as a reproductive brand. What exactly does that mean? Sure. So we launched the brand in 2015 as a tampon company. My co-founder and I realized we didn't know what was in the products we'd been using for our entire lives uh, because the FDA doesn't actually require the brands to list ingredients on the box for tampons. And we were horrified and decided to start a business to try and bring ingredients transparency to the tampon industry. Over the course of three years in business, what we learned from talking to our community and building the business and from being two women ourselves going through a lot of different phases in reproductive life was that every single life stage is the same. From your first period to when you start having sex to when you're thinking about your fertility to when you're pregnant, postpartum, menopause and beyond. It's just all stigma, no ingredients, transparency for products and not enough conversation. And so we're really building the first lifelong brand for women in reproductive health where we're going to be there for her at every reproductive life stage with products and content she can trust. Alex, do you consider yourself a wellness company? Do you consider yourself a beauty company? A lot of other companies are kind of trying to play in the space all across consumer goods. There are connections to wellness and beauty within what we're building, but we really like to think of ourselves as a lifelong reproductive brand, which is there for her at every life stage in her reproductive journey. Uh, Wellness is a very strong connection to what we're doing. So you started with tampons in 2015, is that correct? Yep. So... That was largely an an ingredient story. What were you finding that you thought could be changed or could be done better? So the key in tampons was that we couldn't figure out what was in the tampons we had been using our whole lives. The FDA didn't require brands to list ingredients. And so we would look at the side of a box of a mainstream brand and it said something like ingredients may contain and then listed a bunch of words and we had no idea what they meant. And to us, that was unacceptable because we knew what was in our beauty routine. We knew it was in our food. We knew it was in our shampoo. I knew what was in the diaper I put on my baby. But for some reason, I used a tampon a week a month for 40 years and I couldn't figure out what was in it. It just didn't go with the rest of our lifestyle and our ethos. And so at that moment, we realized, hey, maybe other women haven't thought about this either and decided to launch the brand based on ingredients transparency and trying to open up conversation in an industry that had never been discussed. 
What, so what are the ingredients in Lola tampons? Um, 100% organic cotton. Okay. And so how does that, how would that differ, say, than a mainstream brand? So the answer is we don't know, <laughs> which is a really scary answer. Because ingredients disclosure isn't required, you never know what's in your products. And for us, that's unacceptable. So we list on the box everything that goes into every product we make with 100% organic cotton tampons, we thought, you know, we use cotton in so many other situations. For example, in medical situations, we have cotton on our bodies throughout our entire lives. And, you know, it just made sense to us to use one single fiber that was deemed the most appropriate by the medical community, a fiber that we understood and trusted. How do you think your customers reacted to that? Like, who is she? What has the feedback been in the last three years since Lola was launched? So the conversation has changed a lot since launch. When we started the brand, we asked our community members, have you ever wondered what's in a tampon? And for the most part, nobody had ever wondered that before. And it was a really interesting conversation starter for women who knew what was in all the other products they used on their bodies. Over time, we've actually really driven a lot of awareness for this conversation because the ingredients transparency conversation is one that most of our community has exercised that muscle in a lot of other industries. So once you pose the question, you almost can't forget it. Um, so you know, brand awareness has grown a great deal, and we've driven a very broad-based conversation through press, through social media, um, through our content strategy, and through our community-building efforts around you know, what goes into these products. How much of it is about education versus, you know, inspiration or aspiration, you know, and just kind of fun and connecting with your customer? Um, it really is both. I think a lot of our um, marketing approach does have to deal with education because women haven't asked themselves these questions. For example, we've expanded within the menstrual care category to sell pads and liners um, and also cramp care products. And we now sell a first period kit and we also sell sexual wellness products, so condoms, lube and wipes. And Nobody's talking about these categories because there's so much stigma, and therefore nobody's questioning the ingredients. So every time we go to market to try and raise awareness, we have to start with education, and then we can introduce Lola as the brand that will be there for her. So in terms of age, how young is your customer? How old is she? She varies. Um, she's you know a teenager through her 60s and beyond. Um, most women have periods from you know 10 or 11 to their early 50s, but women use pads and liners before that and after that. How do you think that you know being a DTC brand and being digital first has really enabled you to kind of own these conversations and renew, remove the stigma from these products? It's been essential for us to be able to build the brand voice and actually drive a conversation with our customers. I think being two female co-founders who are open to sharing our own experiences and reproductive health, who are trying to build this authentically, and who are building the business to solve our own problem around ingredients transparency and not having brands that we related to in this category has really enabled us to drive an authentic conversation. And I think that's a lot about why the brand is able to take off and why it has grown so quickly. Alex, were you a beauty person? Were you a consumer goods person, personal care before this? What was your background? I wasn't. So I spent a long, uh, I, I spent a long time doing consulting and investing. So a very traditional business background. Got it. Got it. So tell me about moving from period care or, you know, pads, liners, tampons into sexual wellness. What did you see the through line was there? So for us, 
we've always been asking this question around what is in the products that we're putting in our bodies, especially in categories where there's so much stigma that women aren't asking questions and therefore can't make deliberate decisions. And so um, after a year or two of selling menstrual care products, what we realized was, hey, what's in a condom? <laughs> what What is in the lube on a condom? And we looked at a box and it wasn't listed. And we realized this is another category that has a product that goes inside a woman's vagina. And it's almost worse because the women are typically not the buyer of this product. So literally a product shows up, it goes inside you, you use it, you don't know what's in it, and that's the experience. And it just made no sense from our perspective, and it was the same thing for lube. Um, And so we introduced condoms and lube, and then a third product, wipes, which isn't you know isn't really um, a product that gets talked about in sexual wellness, but women like having wipes. They're cleansing wipes made out of 100% bamboo. They're totally natural. You can use them on your armpits after the gym or on your face if you're sweaty on the subway, but also after or before sex. What um, has been kind of the learnings around sexual wellness products? It seems to be a category that is really blowing up within beauty and personal care. Yeah, I mean, the things that we've seen since we launched the category are that women do care what's in these products. They've never been... No, no one's ever talked about ingredients, transparency, and sexual wellness, really, um, with most women. So they're surprised, and it's kind of like the same feeling of anger around what are what are the brands selling me, and why, why don't I know what's in these products? Um, and I think it's really the same trend that we saw in periods, which is women talk with only their closest friends about their periods and about their sex lives, and therefore your information is very limited. And so building a a big, broad-based conversation that's accessible and a community around these topics adds a lot of value to women's lives. How do you think that you know, traditional retailers or beauty retailers like Violet Gray or Sephora or Ulta, who are now kind of playing in this space, are you know, approaching the category and how you're doing that differently. Yeah. So for us, I mean, what we're really trying to do is build the conversation online and make sure that we can always build a resource for women to engage both with us as a brand and with each other as community members. So we're building a lot of active presence in various different channels. So we have an active blog with content on sexual wellness um, and also periods, obviously, um, and and we're really trying to drive an open conversation in a way that I don't think other brands or retailers can do. So what are the challenges around that? How do you communicate about a topic that has really been relegated to like the back aisles of CVS? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges is figuring out which are the opportunities and products we should pursue. So, for example, we get 150-plus product suggestions a month from our community. Um, Within sexual wellness, we get a a very high volume. And, you know, really trying to figure out how to meet those needs, which are the most important ones for us to launch next, um, and understanding all the trends as they unfold is, you know, an important thing to retain focus. We're still kind of in startup mode. We're very lean. We're three years into business. We're trying to introduce only the highest impact products and content for her at this point. So making sure we really understand what the biggest unmet needs are. Have you seen any other kind of opportunities via these product recommendations from your community that you think are worth exploring? They always raise interesting ideas. I think um, we're hearing about products and we're hearing about content that people need. Um, 
specifically on content, it's been interesting to hear like what are the big unanswered questions and how can we bake that into what we provide our community. So for example, we launched the Sexual Wellness Kit in September. It has all three Lola Sex products in addition to a book um, that we wrote that has a lot of information about foreplay, masturbation, like what to ask your doctor. Um, and the list of questions to bring to your gynecologist about sex um, is something that came from our community. Everybody was telling us, hey, I, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> you know, you keep asking us, what do you want in these categories? We have no idea because we don't even know what to ask our doctor. So, you know, we hear a lot of things like that and we're able to bake that into both products and content to make sure we're providing the right information to women at these life stages. We'll be right back. Want to know the ROI of that new product banner on your homepage? Looking to find out why a recently launched social campaign is not generating the expected revenue? And wouldn't it be great if you could show creative branding and even executive teams the impact of a new product video or seasonal campaign in just one click? You can. Content Square is a digital insights platform that helps businesses understand how and why users are interacting with their app, mobile, and websites. They compute billions of touch and mouse movements and provide brands with everything they need to create memorable, converting digital experiences. Find out more at contentsquare.com. How do you think that content and that piece of it is really driving, obviously, conversion? Is that knowing about these products, knowing more about them is then relating back to sales? Yeah, for us, um, it, it's really important to build the whole conversation and ecosystem around destigmatizing reproductive health. Because in order for women to want to buy ingredients, transparent sexual wellness and menstrual care products, um, they need to first think, the products I'm using today are, you know, the brands aren't talking to me like I want to be talked to. There's no transparency. They don't relate to me. The products on my shelf in the bathroom all look beautiful, but for some reason I'm still hiding my lube and my tampons under the sink. The brands like just are embarrassing looking, and I and I don't know what's in the products. And so we really need to drive that open conversation in order to build the business and in service of the business. You mentioned something about you know packaging and displays. Um, just within sexual wellness and obviously tampon care, those products are not the things that you want to showcase in your bathroom. How has Lola changed that? We have taken as much in inspiration from simple design and modern convenience that we possibly could in this category. It was one of the first things we noticed about the category when we decided to start the business was that all of our other brands had evolved from when we were teenagers to when we were in our 20s and 30s, and everything looked different and felt different. It was clean, sleek lines, things we wanted to put out in our bathrooms. Our brands represented our personalities. They were you know, companies we related to, we're proud of, we're mission-oriented. It just felt like a new era of brands. And then we looked at the products that we were using for periods, and it was embarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, They were marketing to you know, 10 to 12-year-olds. Um, was like pink and flowery and you know things that I wouldn't want to leave out if I was having friends over and I'm not a person who gets embarrassed and it just felt off so when we designed our packaging we wanted it to just be clean modern simple you know white box with a pop of blue very elegant branding and not have it be so in your face about you know what the product was. Tell me a little bit about your D2C strategy. You know, a lot of other D2C beauty brands and personal care brands have kind of dipped into retail, tried pop-ups, really are trying to leverage this kind of omni-channel strategy. What are what is Lola's thoughts there? 
We have been D2C through and through since the beginning. The It has been really important for us to actually absorb everything we're hearing from the community over the last few years, and we use customer feedback to drive a lot of our thinking and creativity and decision making. Um, since launch, one in four customers have actually reached out to us to ask a personal question or talk to us about their reproductive health, which is incredible because who would ever you know, look at an older mainstream brand of tampons and call the number on the box to talk about your reproductive health or personal life? So um, it's been like super interesting to gather all of that feedback. And do you think that you would ever want to kind of play in a retail setting or do you think that would be kind of distilling the message in the wrong way? We'd absolutely consider it. We have no confirmed plans at this point because the direct-to-consumer relationship is so strong and um, we're just trying to actively develop that and continue to learn from her and provide her what she needs. But as the brand evolves and grows, the goal really is to be there for her at every life stage when she needs us, anywhere she needs us. In terms of how the customer is finding you, like how is she finding you via Instagram, social online? Where is she? It's a very big combination of everything. Um, At the very beginning, it was a lot of word of mouth. And we did a lot of focus groups before we launched the brand and were able to build a big ambassador community so that when we launched, women were openly supportive about the brand on social media, which was very exciting for us because we never in a million years imagined that all of our friends would talk about their periods on Facebook. So (laughs) that was really the first few months were getting all of our friends and our, you know, friends, friends, friends of friends activated on social media and organically spreading the word. Um, Press was also very important. It wasn't a topic widely covered in press before we launched. So, you know, when I'm looking back and Googling about articles in the years pre-launch, there weren't broad-based conversations about periods or sexual wellness or ingredients transparency in any of these categories. And um, press was a very important way for us to spread the word. And then over time, you know, we've tried to engage her everywhere she is. So on Facebook, on Instagram, on podcasts, um, TV. We're really just trying to be wherever she is and drive conversation. How much of that is working with like collaborative, like-minded brands and companies? A lot of our strategy has been to partner with other like-minded brands to make sure we can put the products wherever our customer and community may be. So, for example, we have over 100 B2B relationships at this moment. And if you go into the Equinox or SoulCycle bathrooms, you'll see Lola products for free to the customers of those brands. Um, And we also provide products to other companies too. So lots of forward thinking tech startups, you know, early stage female founded brands. uh, And we're always looking to grow with others around us. What do you think um, the plan is for 2019 for you guys? You guys just raised a 24 million round of funding. What, where do you guys want to scale and grow this year? So this year, we'll be using the funding for building the team and product innovation, among other things, of course. Um, it's been very exciting to continue to add to the team as we grow um, and build out strength in a lot of new areas. On the product innovation side, we'll be continuing to invest in some of our products that are already on the market, but also thinking through how can we enter new categories in meaningful ways. 
when you talk about your team structure, how much of your team is content right now and how much do you want that to grow in the next couple of years? Um, so we actually have been working with a lot of freelancers on content to date. Um, we have a three or four person brand team at the moment and they run our content strategy and um, a lot of the content has been so interesting because we're sourcing it from so many different writers. Um, and you know, to us, a lot about brand building here is sharing individual stories. So what you experience when you get your first period, what you experience when you go through pregnancy, what you experience after you have a child. And what we really want to do is tie a lot of voices together. So at this point, um, we've been really stitching it together with as many voices as we could find. And what about your kind of the people that are responding to customer service and DMs and these questions? Is that coming from your brand team as well? or That's a separate customer experience team. Um, and they're actively engaging with customers all day, every day, on email, phone, and chat. It's been incredible to just see all the conversations that are happening. We also have a surprise and delight program where um, we send special presents or gifts or products to folks who we have really special moments with. Do you mean um, like a, kind of like a loyalist program or kind of like a ambassador program? It's really for any customer who we think needs a pick-me-up or shares a really interesting story. For example, um, we have a first period kit, which combines our pads, liners, tampons, and an ebook for your first period, and a little pouch to carry the products and stickers for a girl to put in her calendar to mark when her period is coming. And we've noticed that a lot of single dads have purchased the kit, actually, and outreach to us. And it's been really special to hear, you know, receive letters from dads who say, I didn't know how to have this conversation with my daughter. Like I was in these like dad chat groups trying to figure out how to talk about periods. I couldn't find any good content and then I found your kit and I read your book with my daughter and it was such a special moment to be able to actually have that open dialogue Um, you know and for something like that we of course follow up with a really nice note and maybe some additional follow-up products as a surprise and delight that's adorable and hysterical at the same time it's so nice in terms of you know that kind of cross-section you know are your customers largely women are they men like what's kind of the breakdown that you can share with us like now that especially with sexual wellness and some of these other products yeah so it's largely women because our base started as largely women but as we build the brand and grow it is getting more diverse and what do you think that the opportunity is there you know like knowing what you know about you know this male customer and what he needs that education just as much as his female partner may or daughter absolutely um we're very conscious of not being overly gender focused in our language and on our website you know the the products really are for everybody and we're hoping to grow as a function of everybody realizing they don't know what's in their products and wanting to purchase ingredients transparent products how do you carry that ingredient story forward like now that you know ingredients are so much of a focus in skincare and food in cosmetics and hair care everything every category how do you kind of continue to differentiate yourself in that space and and echo that message. Yeah, I mean, so when we launched the brand, it kind of felt like we were attacking the last category that to have this conversation. Every other industry had talked about ingredients and there was just so much stigma and periods that like it had just never been discussed and it was crazy. But as we've spent time in reproductive care, what what I've seen is that there are so many other categories within women's reproductive health, basically everything that has to do with the vagina where nobody has talked about ingredients. So um, this story is going to 
be an important piece of the thread that unites every category we enter for years to come. And they're, you know, from her first period to menopause and beyond at every life stage, there's the same ingredients problem driven by the same stigma that we're planning to try and change. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alex. It was great having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. If you enjoy the Glossy Beauty Podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. Head to glossy.co slash plus and use the code PRIA25, P-R-I-Y-A 25, for 25% off an annual subscription. Don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Beauty Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and leave us any feedback you have.